and communications as you know yourself fiona is one of the great kind of intangibles it's in times of of success uh, in a business uh, it's rarely seen as as uh, as anything other than a nice to have and in uh, in times of crises and crises um communications is always blamed uh, as the reason why a company or a product or a movement isn't getting its message across the MacVet podcast, the show that talks about communication, cows and coffee. I'm your host, Fiona McGilvery, and today I'm talking to Patrick Donohoe, who is Director of Communications at the Irish Cooperative Lakeland Dairies. So Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Roshona. Re- real pleasure. It's 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 not often that uh, um, a podcast or, or any any type of entertainment can cover such a triumvirate of topics such as cows, communications, and coffee. So, like, it's you've ticked off pretty much ninety eight percent of my life there with that. So, so congratulations. <laughs> it's so good to know that it's not just me that finds these three topics the most important things in in life. So, I'm glad we've bonded on that, Patrick. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> fabulous. Um, Patrick, would you mind just by starting to by describing what it is that you do, please? Yeah. So uh, recently, recently appointed as, uh, as as you said, the director of communications and, and corporate affairs for Ireland's uh, largest cross-border dairy cooperative, Lakeland Dairies. Um, it's mainly a business-to-business uh, uh, cooperative. We process milk from three thousand two hundred farm families across 17 counties in uh, across Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Um, thought that two billion litres of milk gets turned into over 100 products uh, and gets sent to about 110 countries across the world. So uh, mm. it's a it's a co-op that's that's been in existence really since through various iterations and mergers and, and, uh, and amalgamations for nigh on 130 years. So uh, it's based the headquartered just about um, just outside Cavan Town, which is probably 30 minutes from from the border of Northern Ireland, uh, North Midlands, northeast of, of Ireland, and uh, has eight production sites um, spread between uh, four in the Republic of Ireland, four in, in Northern Ireland, and make everything from uh, bulk butter and bulk powders to go to uh, West Africa, Asia, Middle East, uh, some consumer foods through liquid milk and butter and then uh, some food service stuff as well so anybody who maybe has flown Ryanair or Aer Lingus and they've gotten a, a milk stick uh, where, with their coffee that's that's generally done by Lakeland Dairy so the only advice is that the next time you're you're on a Ryanair or Aer Lingus flight and you, you, you get your milk stick uh, make sure and ask for a second one because it'll, it'll double <laughs> our sales. An excellent plug thank you Patrick and also thank you for your comprehensive overview of of uh, of Lakeland Dairies, thank you. And I definitely, yes, as you say, very recognisable uh, name and logo um, with that milk stick. So what would a typical day look like for you? Yeah, so it's that's a great question. And, and communications, as you know yourself, Fiona, is one of the great kind of intangibles. It's in times of, of success uh, in a business, uh, it's rarely seen as, as, uh, as anything other than a nice to have. And in a in times of crises and crises um, communications is always blamed uh, as the reason why a company 
or a product or a movement isn't getting its message across. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it is it's always the, the stick to beat you with when things are going badly. Uh, and it's just meandering nice and slowly in the background uh, when, when things are going well. So, you know, at the minute, uh, milk prices, as we, as we probably all know, is, is under pressure. It's, uh, the supply and demand dynamic, which dictates what the farm gate milk price will be, is, is very much out of sync. Um, while coming from record milk prices last year, farm gate prices last year, uh, supply has, has caught up with that. Demand has been impacted for various reasons, uh, economic downturn in Asia and, and whatnot, and, and, and the farm gate price is, is under pressure now. So a lot of what I do is, is um, communicating to, to our, our staff as well as our farmer base, uh, as well as the outside world, the kind of the key stakeholders within the business, which are staff, farmers, our community of sh stakeholders, um, politicians, customers, banks, etc. Uh, what we do as a co-op, the important role that we play, and I suppose the, the, the biggest undercurrent to everything that we do in communications now is uh, is the whole area of sustainability. I think a, a co-op or, or any agriculturally themed um, business that isn't isn't putting sustainability front and center on the on the outside of the of the outside of the shop window will kind of be perceived as being a flat earther, you know. So mm -hmm. um, that's uh, you know I'm currently devising or and working on on developing our sustainability strategy for the entire co-op. So like I've just I'm not I'm only a couple of months back with Lakeland for for the three previous years before that I was the uh, advisor to the minister for agriculture in in the republic. So. Um, the world of sustainability uh, has has taken on a, a nice to have and a fluffy feeling maybe three four years ago to an absolute imperative now for, for all businesses and, and anybody involved in agriculture at all mm -hmm. yeah well said uh, and that's that's for sure I'm sure well I'm sure the same the world over but I'm sure some of our listeners from from uh, from elsewhere might you know if they want to sort of write in and, and if there's anything different going on there but as you say sustainability certainly at the core uh, of of dairy activities, what what led you to this role then, out of interest? A, f a fairly circuitous role, um, I think. Having uh, a degree in English and some cows qualifies me for for most jobs. Uh, <laughs> cool. In, 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 in the in the industry, no, I I I had a, uh, my brother who's um, a few years older than me who's is an exceptionally talented journalist and um, he works at the BBC in in Glasgow and. Um, he was, uh, when he was based in Ireland, he, he was working as a journalist then and I was coming out of college and I didn't really know what to do um, on the back of a, a very general uh, arts degree majoring in English. Um, so I, I got working uh, through a recommendation of, of my brothers in, in, some, in some PR agency places uh, back in God, 2008-ish and, and worked through that for a few years and then... Um, worked for uh, one of the farm organizations in Ireland called the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association. Um, moved on from there to uh, to work between Dublin and Brussels for, for a lobbying agency. And then kind of fell really into uh, into into the journalism world then. I, I was always writing and I was always doing bits and pieces and, and I enjoyed journalism, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't very much a, a career or, a, or a, a career path that, that one could could down could go down and, and live uh, comfortably off. But um, I was working on behalf of Burger King during the horsemeat scandal in, in 2012 2013, and I got in contact with the Irish Farmers Journal um, at the time, uh, and still is the the largest agri publication in, in Ireland, 
uh, and they were just happened to be looking for a journalist. So I, I did uh, I did two days of a work experience, and I made a good cup of tea, and they didn't they didn't kick they didn't kick me out, and I um I, I then moved on to be news editor in the Farmers Journal then for for a few years, and uh, and uh, moved then on to communications into Lakeland, uh, took a, a sabbatical to work with the minister for a few years, and. Uh, and then and then back to Lakeland in the last in the last couple of months. So yeah, look, it's 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 been it's been kind of um, a term in Ireland, Lanigan's ball, of kind of stepping in and stepping out again of both journalism and and, uh, and public relations. But communications has always been at the core of what I wanted to do. Be it be it kind of on behalf of agency or for agencies on behalf of other companies or or, or telling the farmer story through the through the medium of of print and online media with the Farmers Journal. So. You know, and, and and has you know communications and, and journalism and media has has really developed and, and evolved significantly over the last ten years. Be it through you know the the advent of online and, and free uh, free free to air uh, media, I suppose. Mm. But at the core of everything that that we do as I think as communicators is still, regardless of the medium we operate in, is is still the person and the, and they've been able to get across the story uh, of of the farmer, be it his or her story. Uh, to the to your stakeholders in terms of internal communications or to the uh, through journalism it's the, the, the personal story will always win out mm-hmm. yeah that fundamental human connection as you say mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. what do you most enjoy about your work oh yeah that's a, that's a, that's a good question. yeah I, I suppose it, it's it, it's wor- it's working with such a diverse stakeholder group like um Again, from from my time with 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 the minister, it was you know we're probably in the most transformative time for for certainly Irish agriculture, probably since the uh, advent of the combustion engine a hundred years ago. Like there's there's so much change uh, happening from EU farm to fork, the EU Green Deal, nitrous derogation, uh, climate action targets subscribed into law, and being able to and be that I said on the political side or, or, or in the business side with Lakeland, it's it's effectively communicating what is savagely complex uh, pieces of legislative change uh, and making it, uh, you know, distilling it down and making it real to, to people because, you know, in summer of 2022, summer last year, uh, you know, Ireland signed up to, to fully legally binding targets for each sector of the economy on, on what they had to do in terms of emissions reduction, so you know, based based on the 2018 as a starting baseline, Irish agriculture has to reduce its its carbon emissions by by 25%. Now, electricity has to reduce by 70 or 80%. Agri- agriculture got through some pretty intense negotiations, got the lowest target. But you know, there's very little emotion involved in in retrofitting your house. You can either afford to do it or you or you can't. There's mm-hmm. little or no emotion of changing from uh, a combustion engine fossil fuel driven car or, or, or jeep to electricity if, if it's f- if the financial uh, will is there people unlikely to uh, unlikely to be to stop from doing it but in, in agriculture you know having to ask somebody who a farmer be it you know a man or a woman th- they're also consumers in their own right so they have to mm-hmm. they're tasked with, with with making massive changes in inside the inside the family home, uh, the way other consumers are, but also m- you know making kind of fundamental changes to how they've operated as a business for for many many years, and, and especially you know in, in in the top ten or fifteen or twenty percent of farms have done so really successfully for many years. So 
it, it's, it, there's a lot of emotion into getting, let's say, uh, a, a beef or suckler farmer who, you know, is, is doing it most, more often than not part-time, uh, doing it as, in some cases, their hobby, and that's not being disingenuous to, to them, to change the way to maybe including some, some forestry, maybe, you know, reducing their stock numbers, um, planting more hedgerows, you know, asking a dairy farmer to, to go fully protected urea, planting multi-species grasses, you know, that there's, it, it, it's making all that really heavy science um, uh, content, uh, matching that and marrying that with the need to change uh, pretty radically for, for, for the first time in, in many years and, and making that understandable uh, and telling the story as to why you have to do this and why we as a, as a society and as an economy and as a, as, a, as a planet, we have to do all this. Mm-hmm. Which is no mean feat, as you, as you quite rightly say, because emotions are involved. Um, how, how do you feel the various stakeholders are achieving these sort of conversations with, the, with farmers? Yeah, th- th- that's, a, that's a great question, Fiona. Um, like, uh, uh, and just in the last week alone, um, over here, we, we've seen we've seen a really hot piece of um, hot topic news in the last week. The, the Environmental Protection Agency in, in in Ireland, the EPA, put up a tweet encouraging people to eat less meat and eat less red meat in particular. And uh, it, I think, you know, the EPA didn't come from a lecturing point of view or or talking down to farmers, but whether they meant to do that or not, it was really read as such, and, and it, it, sent, it sent farmers and farm organizations, you know, rightly so, pretty doolally. Um, and there were, there were a lot of, uh, lot of letters into the EPA and subsequently ended in the EPA, an independent body, an independent semi-state, having to, to delete the, its tweet, its, its media post. So, you know, the only way that, that we get people on a journey of change, okay, there'll be the early adapters and the late adapters and all that, uh, and some people will, will embrace technological change uh, quicker than others. Um, but, you know, the, 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 there's a, we're always running a real risk of polarizing the argument with, with, with kind of, okay, might seem benign and might seem as, as, as reasonably glib, but has the has the real possibility of, of angering and, and infuriating, uh, especially, especially farmers. Like, and, and that's not, again, that's not a that's not a slight against farmers. Um, like, this is their livelihood, and, and this has been a way of life, uh, and this has been a sense of you know how how fathers and mothers, how, how grandmothers and grandfathers have done it. Uh, to to so th- they're naturally going to be more on edge about about massive and substantial change that is coming. So, like, just in as I said, just in that week alone, in the last week or ten days. That one single tweet from from the EPA really, really got the backs up of farmers. And then, you know, just listening to the radio shows over the weekend, and, and it was it was one of the topics in in the main in the main media, not just in agri media, that they were talking about how how the IFA uh, led this campaign to have the the tweet removed. You know, the ordinary mm-hmm. consumer, they were kind of split on it. You know, they were like. Yeah. Okay. We we absolutely see why farmers are doing this. Uh, this is their their right to produce food. We do it reasonably uh, well. We do it very well. We do it reasonably sustainably compared to everybody else. We're one of the most sustainable food producers in the world. Uh, so, you know, the EPA shouldn't be castigating as they would see it our, our farmers for doing this. Whereas, uh, the other side of the argument, 
there was a fair amount of support for the EPA saying, look, all they're doing is suggesting that you eat less red meat and, and that's that's good for the environment. So like it's unfortunate and one of your previous guests, I can't remember her name, um, spoke with this brilliantly about the the spectrum, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, people on one side of the debate, the other will never match those two, but it's the it's the entire middle ground of the of the mm-hmm. silent majority who just who just want to be comfortable in the decisions that they're making. Um, like the the that's probably the, the biggest change that has been in communications over the last probably three to five years, and it's unfortunately the great legacy of Donald Trump is the is the is the polarizing. Uh, there is no discourse anymore. It's you know I'm not wrong, but you're definitely not right. Uh, debate, which is which is which is very hard to um, mm. very hard to level off, Fiona. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. No, as you said, that chat with Amy. Amy Jackson was uh, was also uh, yeah uh, something we covered there. I'm really interested to learn a little bit more about your uh, role or, or your desire to. I think you mentioned before to have that sabbatical, going to be policy and press advisor uh, at the Ministry of Ag Agriculture. Um, what what sort of drove you to, or what inspired you, motivated you to to go and take that role on? Uh, I suppose to to see inside the sausage factory, Fiona, to see how it's <laughs> to see how it's all made. Um, mm-hmm. I, look, I, I wouldn't be massively political. Uh, I, I've I've voted uh, every which way. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm very transient in, in in my approach to, to, to voting patterns. So I wasn't I wasn't a strong supporter of of Minister McConnell's own party. Um, but it was it, and especially it was especially interesting because our government was formed in in June of 21 and the, there were two Minister for Agriculture's who both lost their jobs within you know a few weeks of the government forming through one was breaching COVID rules and the other uh, wouldn't answer the, the doll on on, um, on a drink driving allegation so mm-hmm. Minister McConnell was, was the third choice minister you know so th- there was this and he, he rang me up and, and said would I be interested or asked would I be interested and, and I said I would Bec- just because, as I said earlier, it, it, just the transformative time for agriculture, and mm-hmm. I, I, like I, I thought, you know, being being something of a farmer myself, and, and having been in the sector for uh, uh, you know over ten years, that I, I felt I could make a, a wee bit of a difference, um, not out of not out of massive, as I said, political drive, but mm-hmm. uh, out of hope and ambition that 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 I could be a, a sounding board for the minister that that's that's all I could do is, is offer advice uh, he has to ultimately make the decision but um being yeah be, being his being his mudguard I suppose you know uh, and 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 ensuring that that we could try and make decisions that would you know bring farmers on a, on a pretty radical journey uh insulate them from 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 the from the worst of the 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 naysayers out there and to try and encourage them to uh, to continue on a journey of sustainability which you know a lot of them have been on already through you know the purchasing of low emission slurry spreading better and and, and more effective use of nutrient management uh incorporation of red clover that everything but kind of ramping up that ambition and especially especially on the, the setting of the of the climate targets uh last year because our our current government which is only about about a year or, or so to, to run um, it's it's a it's a it's a three-party uh, government. It's it's a coalition of of two of the the mainstay parties, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. But but crucially, it, the third leg of the stool is the Green Party, and the Green Party's leader is is the Minister for the Environment. So 
uh, he was tasked with, with negotiating with all of the ministers to get a climate target that would be uh, that would ultimately lead to um, setting up uh, or, or reaching a, a climate uh, reduction of 51% of our carbon emissions. So, you know, it was the most um, uh, fraught tense element of of, uh, of of the government so far. So, just being in around that, uh, feeling that I that I could offer some bit of a help to uh, to, uh, to to the to the to the minister and um, and hopefully work work very much on behalf of um, of our farmers. Yeah, that was that mm-hmm. was really the, the logic behind it, Fiona. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. And how did it compare with your expectations? I look. I always knew it was going to be kind of unrelenting, and and I spoke to uh, a previous advisor who uh, who kind of said, you know, like it's th- this is all encompassing, and I knew it would be busy, but I, I certainly I, I never expected it to be as full on. Um, like it was, it was the full seven days a week. Um, mm, wow. The you know it was uh, it, it, we would be doing national or regional or or, or agri media every week, and and it's preparing for that on a, on a Saturday or a Sunday is no different than a Monday. Um, there would be, uh, you know, uh, so there was always an inevitable fire to be put out somewhere. There'd, there'd be some issue with, with farmers, uh, with, with, with other aspects of the, of the brief through the marine and the, and the food portfolios as well. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I probably Googled my minister's name 40 to 50 times a day just in case somebody was saying something about him um, mm. in the same way that I would have searched Twitter for, uh, for his name and his Twitter handle 40 to 50 times a day as well. Like, you, you couldn't, you couldn't l- miss anything, you know. You, you couldn't miss a- any crisis brewing, any rumbles anywhere. You, you had to be entirely switched on all the time uh, mm. to ensure that, that, that you were on top of the game. So, it, like, it's, it's, it, it's, you know, somebody asked me, did I enjoy it? I, I didn't enjoy it, but I loved it. Uh, it, uh, uh-huh. it was it, it was a t- tremendous experience, but 100% full on. Yeah. 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 It sounds it uh, pretty exhausting, and as you say, intense. Exa- yeah. Full on. Yeah. Um, what kind of things surprised you in that role? Um, I suppose the the, the sense, and 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 I'm not just saying this because he was my boss, but. Uh, like uh, he, you know, an excellent, an excellent minister in my eyes, and um, uh, and a really good guy. But the sense, the uh, the sense that in a lot of cases you are devising and designing policy on the fly, uh, mm-hmm. because yeah. because because you kind of have to, you know, uh, in 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 reaction to the um, the the war in Ukraine last year, at the start of last year, there was a real uh, fear that there wouldn't be enough grain. In the country, that that mm. the Black Sea ports would be blocked up, and that we we would have a shortage of it. And and as a country that uses five and a half odd million tons of grain, we import about three and a half million ton of that grain. Um, there was there was a fear. There was a like, be it you know hyperbole or otherwise, there was a fear and concern that that we were stepping into the unknown, and we didn't know whether we were going to meet our needs. So, mm. I remember I was driving home uh, one Thursday evening or late on Thursday night. And I just rang the minister and said, I, th- I think we should get everybody to, to grow an acre of grain. Um, and he said, OK, let's do it. And yeah. on, on, on Sunday, it was you know, on the front page of the, the Sunday Independent and the Business Post as, as, a, as, a, as a policy kind of signed, sealed and delivered. You know? um, mm-hmm. So you, know, y- you do your best to, to, to be planned and coordinated. But um, in a lot of cases, you're, you're, you're reacting 
uh, to what's happening or about to happen and to trying to stay ahead of it. It's, uh, yeah, I suppose I, I assumed that going into a well-oiled uh, and, and, and well, well-serviced civil service, and especially under the, the direction of the Department of Agriculture's Secretary General, a guy called Brendan Gleeson, uh, who's ex- an incredible man and, 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 and brilliant, uh, a brilliant strategist. I assumed everything was very well planned out and uh, nothing was left to chance, but uh, especially with us, everything was left to chance. And uh, we had a mantra yeah. that if we announced it, we had to do it. Yeah. Uh, so that, w- that was kind of the way that we approached it. Mm. Wow, it sounds... Uh, oh, thank you for, for sharing uh, behind the scenes. Uh, it's really fascinating to hear. Thank you. No problem. Um, just coming back to a point you made uh, in your sort of introductory, uh, you know, describing what it is that you do, you mentioned that in your role with Lakeland Dairies, you're not only speaking to the external customers, but also you've got a, a, a very sizable internal structure. How do you approach those sort of different uh, audiences? Yeah, excellent question, Fiona. Yeah, um, like th- there's 1,400 staff in, wow. in Lakeland. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. About 400, between 400 and 500, would have regular daily access to a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's somewhere between 1,000 and or 900 and 1,000 people who are factory operatives, um, operatives of one kind or another who who don't have that, who don't have um, access to a computer. So, you know, emailing out um, company updates, that type of thing, you know. Uh, it's it's only going to hit a certain a certain cadre or a certain portion of of the staff. So, mm. um, you know, last week was our was our first time, and it might seem incredibly basic and simple, uh, but we 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 just uh, put up and put out and and, and got it around on all the sites. Our first company newsletter, you know, just to with news from with news from from across our sites, and it's it's sent out on email, obviously, but it's also published and and, and um, posted in, in canteens and waiting areas and whatnot so like you know uh, it's it's it is difficult to reach everybody and look and some people just just want to come into work mm-hmm. do their job and go and, and don't really worry about what's happening outside of that and that's absolutely totally fine like not not everybody not everybody is is uh, is is a company person and that's great you know like mm-hmm. that's 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 the great of the independence of thought you don't you don't want 1400 lemmings um, yeah. but you know it, it's still important to make people feel part of an organization and uh, and and we were we were struggling with that and, and and had been for for many years and and you know something that might seem as really rudimentary and basic as as a company newsletter and, and posting it and getting it out to the the canteens ha- has gone down well so something like that uh, mm-hmm. like we're also do a lot of uh, of, of site updates, manager updates, and whatnot. But um, yeah, trying, trying to, trying to get everybody uh, informed of some important information and, and stuff, for want of a better word, ac- across mm-hmm. uh, a very disparate type of, of of site structure and operation structure can be really difficult. But you know, when when you start communicating, you can't stop. Uh, and crucially, I, th- uh, I think it was Fiona as well who said it that. Uh, uh making communication two-way uh is 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 crucial because otherwise it's just education uh, and, mm. and that's not communication so uh, the listening ear as well as the writing pen i think are are, are equally important when it comes to staff communication mm-hmm. oh, no, i know as you say never underestimate the the, the value of a, of a newsletter as you say it may, may sound simple but very very useful uh, and as you say the the idea of posting it uh, in places where people 
can have a read over the lunch or a cup of tea or obviously a cup of coffee uh, is ideal. Yeah, perfect. Absolutely. How do you assess what impact your communications have had? So maybe thinking more on the external audience, I guess. Yeah, like yeah, like uh, I suppose in in yeah, that's 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 a great question, and 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 as somebody who who very much believes in self-deprecation, it's uh, it's difficult to say that you that you do something well or good. But um, I look, I I I I I think you know when when it comes to when it comes to that, and when when it comes to communicating with with the outside world as well as the inside world, you know you have to trust the process and. You know the process for me is is always ad- about identifying the stakeholders, be that I said staff, um, farmer, um, customer, bank, or, or, or community groups or politicians. Uh, you know it's all about identifying identifying those that identifying those people, uh, mm-hmm. looking at what communication channels are open to communicate to them. So for for our farmers, it'll be it'll be our, our farmer newsletter, it'll be the agri media. Uh, it'll be the local media, national media, or, or be it staff, it'll be email and, 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 and staff newsletter, or, or for others, it'll be a different variety of how we do it. But about using, not overcomplicating it, keeping the message really simple, mm-hmm. um, because you know there's no point, I think it was Hemingway or, or Mark Twain said, you should never send somebody to the dictionary. Keeping mm-hmm. the message as simple as possible, um, bringing everybody with you, and, and just using the communication channels that are open to suit the stakeholder you know mm-hmm. you know y- you're not going to put out a message for for farmers in a staff newsletter or you're not going to talk about you know a large uh, company update um on a, for a flyer for, uh, on a flyer base to your customers or your banks and send it to your farmers you know it's it's about matching the message to the communication channel and stakeholder there so look i i i think kind of consistently lakeland has uh, well before my term my time has had a a very good track record of communicating communicating brilliantly with farmers has always uh, espoused the co-op ethos you know as well as or better than anyone uh, but i suppose in 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 this day and age it's about, about broadening that out and i i think we do a reasonable job on that and you know in, in terms of the minister um you know I, I used to when i was in the farmer's journal for example i used to i used to have uh, a fictional character who was our who was our audience it was it was mrs murphy and she had 12 suckler cows Mm-hmm. And you know she didn't buy the paper the previous week, uh, so she had, she mightn't have seen an article that she'd written. Uh, so you always try and communicate to to Mrs. Murphy. She mm-hmm. doesn't have an ag degree, doesn't have a master's in ag. So keeping the message uh, suitably appropriate and and that can, can resonate with everyone, uh, and 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 keep repeating the message. And and I said trust the process of if if you if you're confident in your message and you're confident in your ability to deliver it through this to the channels that are open to you. Uh, despite what criticism might come, if you believe in it, you have to keep and, and follow through in the process. Mm-hmm. Beautifully explained. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, that sounds excellent. Who inspires you? Uh, I suppose on, on, on my farming side, my, my parents, uh, my, my mum uh, is, uh, is, came from a butcher's a butcher background and uh, is an excellent judge of character of, of cattle, an excellent judge of cattle in general. Uh, my dad, who, who just turned 75, is uh, the best man in Ireland to pull a calf. Um, what's been your proudest achievement? Oh, um, that's a good question, Shona, yeah. Uh, 
like humorously uh, when I was in the Farmer's Journal, I got to interview Russell Crowe uh, about yeah. his farm. Uh, oh, wow. That, uh, yeah, I've, I've been dining out on that one for a decade. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but, but probably uh, the negotiations around the, the climate action plan last year and it was incredibly taut, uh, I was incredibly fraught and, and tense uh, and it was, you know, gamesmanship and and trying for for us as a political team, the minister, myself, and and the civil servants, to to get um, to get a target that was achievable for farmers, but that would also ensure that that agriculture would play its part in in, in reducing emissions. And you know, there were some there were some times where we were getting close to you know it, the, the the negotiations breaking down and those late nights and. And, and long hours and soul searching and sh you know should we give another percent or should we demand another percent like it was it was so incredibly fraught um, and I suppose landing on a, on a, on a figure of 25 percent the lowest target of any sector in the economy while, while difficult and challenging and will, requ will require transformational change in agriculture uh, is one that that I suppose I'm pr pretty proud of, of, of having, having worked closely with, with the team that were single-mindedly focused I know farmers are always, and rightly so, maybe maybe are uh, critical of the of the permanent political staff in the civil service. But I think in that instance, it showed that that um, the, the the political staff, be it uh, be it temporary or permanent, were were absolutely unified to, to do the to do their very best for farmers. So I think mm -hmm. that was that that's probably the most the, the most important ever bit of project mm -hmm. I worked on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing, fantastic. Mm. So um, you've mentioned already that you have a bee farm um, and so I hesitate to assume that your favourite cow breed is going to be a beef cow. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you are allowed to, you know, dairy and beef. I'm getting more uh, <laughs> generous. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I suppose I'll start with my least favourite cow. And uh, <laughs> we've, we've a new agri-environmental agri scheme over here uh, called Acres. And uh, as part, one of the measures that kind of got you in tier one access was uh, conservation of native breeds. So uh, I went out uh, about 18 months ago and bought two Dexter in calf, uh, <laughs> and like mm. they are wild. Uh, like, <laughs> yes. like I, I've never seen uh, a more sarcastic, uh, <laughs> petulant uh, pair of animals in my life. Like it's. Uh, uh, wow, they, they took to the country last year. They were in uh, my neighbour Liam McNamee's own Doyle's. My uncle had them for a while until they finally just decided <laughs> one day to come back. Uh, so yeah, uh, Dexter least favourite. They're like they're like limit. They're like limousines on <laughs> amphetamines. Uh, oh my like goodness! Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but pr probably probably my favourite, uh, despite you know lovely black and white ladies. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would say the the, the Charlie. Uh, it's mm -hmm. it has been the the basis of my my parents and, and thankfully now my farm for for over thirty years or more. And um, you know we, we we would have an, an odd favourite Hereford or an odd favourite limousine here or there. But the Charlie, mm -hmm. uh, it's 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 a beautiful uh, it's it's a beautiful they're a beautiful breed, a beautiful animal, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, they do very well. Thankfully for us in in the show ring or in the in the sales ring, we 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 bring everything to weanling rather than to finish. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, despite kind of you know supermarkets and and factories and processors wanting smaller carcasses, the the Charlie is still very much in the band. And mm -hmm. I remember one time I interviewed uh, Michael O'Leary, the the chief executive of Ryanair, who has a farm as well, and he described them as as nothing but plow pullers. But uh, I'd, I'd resent that entirely. I mm. think they're, they're a great breed. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're, uh, and stunningly, aesthetically appealing as well, like you say, very yeah, pretty. Like they're, they're, they're kind of the right balance of beauty and brawn, I think. Yes, know? I like that. Uh, and, and dare I say, you've been the first person to describe your least favourite breed, so thank you for that. Maybe that's something we need to include <laughs> in future episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, how important would you say coffee is in your daily routine? Uh, and maybe could you describe your coffee habits uh, if you are a consumer? <laughs> I'm very much a consumer, Fiona. It's uh, just going up on three o'clock, uh, and I've had three cups today, so uh, wow. I'm, I'm, su- I'm suitably on edge for this. Um, uh, I, I, I like I like a flat white because uh, I'm I'm somewhat pretentious. That's that's um, yeah, that'd be my favorite my favorite coffee, uh, and uh, there there's my neat, my local town uh, at home uh, which is which is home to the mart as well which is is really just a street with a few <laughs> shops ha- has uh-huh. opened up its first barista shop it's, it's Ooh. Uh, yeah i know so like it's very much in rural ireland now the uh, the barista machine and and yeah uh, Jared in, in in morning glory uh, does a does a fantastic coffee but yeah um uh, I, I i like a flat white i like americano but it's I, I try not to have three a day, Fiona, but um, yeah, yes, I, I try not to, but I, I like, I like, I like coffee. I like, I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Sounds good. I also dabble with the odd flat white, as you say, it's that nice sort of smooth overall yeah, flavor. Um, Patrick, is there anything else you'd like to share that you feel our listeners would find interesting or indeed useful? Uh, no, I, I, I have, I have a, a a cattle tag uh, ear, uh, an ear tag cattle tattoo on my, inside of my left arm. Um, <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Tag. Uh, <laughs> so I don't, I don't think anybody can can question my commitment to, to farming and agriculture. Um, <laughs> and if you know, it was a, uh, wasn't planning on saying that. But, uh, the cow, cow number zero six five six. She died in a in a in a section about well, about five or six oh. years ago. Uh, so mm-hmm. as a and not only did she die, but her calf died as well. So as a as a homage to all the stuff and hassle we put cows through, I said I'd, uh, I said I'd get that. So yeah, uh, she's she's on the inside of my left arm. Uh, but oh. no, look, just a, you know, hugely appreciative Fiona uh, of uh, of of the invite uh, and and being asked on. And um, it's it's a tremendous podcast. And I said it's 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 one that I, I listened religiously and always very interesting guests. And I hope I haven't brought the standard down too much. Oh, you've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much, Patrick. I was very excited uh, when we got in touch and, and you agreed to be on the show. So thank you. Um, and I'm hoping we can maybe share some photos of your Charolais, maybe the Dexters, if they're up for being photographed. <laughs> you, you, you may need the longest of long lenses. Uh, to, <laughs> yeah, a blur. Yeah, a blur. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're behind that ditch over there. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, thank you so much, Patrick. It's been a real pleasure and delight to to find out about your um your career so far, and I'm looking forward to seeing you progress through uh your you know now you're back at Lakeland Dairies and whatever the future brings. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks, Fiona. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Please follow or subscribe to the show so you can join me next time when I'll be talking more about communication, cows, and coffee.